bring this one to the Archivum. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Live from Ulduar, a World of Warcraft community roleplay podcast hosted by myself. My name is Kitch Goldwatt, and welcome to episode 5 of our brilliant first season. It's hard to believe that we're already 120th of the way to 100 episodes. You know, we've already had so many great people talk about their topics on the show, we've already covered so many great events, and I intend to keep the trend going. I really enjoy making this show, and, you know, I really love seeing our community grow. It's kind of nice to, you know, have a group of people who share my same interests, as selfish as that sounds. Uh, and I really love talking with you guys in the Discord and getting to know you, so uh, before the episode really gets into gear today, thank you so much for following the show and for appreciating the work that I put into it. It's really great. I've got a really fun episode planned for us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an event that I went to last weekend, which is, of course, JeevesCon 2.0. I believe it is their second annual market festival performance event, and it was a really great time. Uh, this event was planned by the cast company, so if you guys want to kind of follow them on Twitter, I'll link them in the episode description. Uh, we're going to cover that event, and then I'm going to talk to you guys about a personal project that I've been working on, uh, perhaps something unprecedented in the Warcraft roleplay community, and that is, of course, uh, Warcraft space roleplay. Uh, kind of getting out of Azeroth and exploring the great cosmos with canonical means and maybe a little bit of non-canonical sprinkle on top. And then we're going to bring in our special guest of the week, Volhelian Duskwhisper, who is the co-guildmaster of United Aegis, a popular faction-neutral guild, and also one of the coordinators of the Azerothian Boxing Association, uh, and then a personal friend of mine, of course. I really enjoy them and talking with them, and I'm excited to have them educate us on Demon Hunter roleplay and Demon Binds and their different OCs. It's going to be a great multifaceted uh, talk that we're going to have later this episode, so stick around for that. And then, of course, afterwards, we're going to have our roleplay spot of the week. So it's going to be a pretty brisk episode today, you know? I'm hoping it doesn't go over the one hour and ten minute limit that I've, I've set for myself. I feel like these little episodes keep getting longer and longer, so, you know, hopefully we can stay within a reasonable time limit. Wasting no further time on introduction, let's jump right into JeevesCon 2.0. Uh, I attended this event last weekend on Kitsch, and it happened at Fizzle and Posick's Speed Barge in Thousand Needles, and this was an event that took place on the Wormrest Accord side, but of course I anchored in on the Moonguard side, and was able to meet a lot of great people from the other side of the roleplay community. Uh, this was an event that was not just a market, but it was also an activity fair, and it had competitions and performances and, you know, all this fun stuff that you could really do whatever you wanted to do. Uh, if you wanted it to be a market event, you could just go to the market booths. If you wanted it to be an activity event, you could go to all the fun activities and competitions that they had. And there was so much variety, and they had performances by Rum Squall and the Clockwork Chameleon, two of the uh, performance groups that have been floating around the roleplay community. And I really enjoyed it. Um, when I initially got there on Kitsch, I was trying to think of what his in-character motivation was for being at that event. I don't really like to show up to events just for the out-of-character aspect. 
And that is a large reason why Kitch doesn't really find himself at a lot of, like, rave or party events, because he doesn't really have interest in them. But from a market perspective, and from a technological perspective, um, the concept of JeevesCon was something that he found very interesting. So, of course, he had to go, we went, and uh, I wanted to try and get to as many booths as possible on Kitch. Um, I didn't succeed. <laughs> I really only made it to, like, one to five, I think. Um... And it was nice because Cast Company provided a uh, out-of-character kind of uh, manifest slash market map of where everything was located, and I could use that um, in another tab to kind of figure out where Kitch was going to go, uh, his war path, if you will. Uh, and I started with him going to booth number one, which was, I believe it was called .exe file not found, I think? It was one of those, it was kind of that sort of a name, and... Uh, I was assuming it was going to be kind of like a weird technological wares market booth, but it was not. Uh, it was a kind of a random challenge event booth, and what happened was Kitch approached and was asked to roll two pairs of d20s, and he got two random numbers, and he was asked to go find a human at the market, uh, bring them back to the first booth, and uh, run in a circle around them twice. Uh, but the gimmick was that he could not tell this human individual uh, what he was doing, why he had to do it. He kind of had to leave it in mystery. And he was told that if he did this, he would receive a special prize. Uh, and in the, the pursuit of being more spontaneous, Kitch was like, why not? I'll do it. So he went and found himself a group of humans uh, kind of rougher around the edges, I will admit. I don't think they quite enjoyed the prospect of going with a random mechanome to a undisclosed location for no apparent reason. Uh, they assumed that he was going to harvest their organs or something like that, but... After a good bout of convincing, he managed to get one of them to come with him, and he brought them back to the booth, circled them twice, and won some raffle tickets. Some raffle tickets for their companion giveaway and for their art giveaway. So that was super fun. I was happy to be uh, involved in that capacity. And uh, from there, I kind of moved on, and I was able to meet up with Volhelion and Sassy, and I was able to meet up with Luminous Bright Coil, Intamin Dive Roll, uh, Sooty, and all of these other individuals who I know in the community. And we were able to kind of hang out in the communal slash bar space, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I also got to meet up with Iridaceae, and we got to have some great chatter about, you know, druidic life and all this great stuff. And it was a really great social event, a great social gathering setting for Kitch to meet more people and to strengthen the bonds with people that he already knows. So I really enjoyed that aspect. And to end out the night, they had two back-to-back -back performances. They had uh, the Clockwork Chameleon performing as their main act, but opening for him was uh, Rum Squall, a new roleplay band uh, kind of headed by uh, Gerlich's Suitbeard and a few of the other members of Dark Moon's Finest and other people around the community. And their performance was amazing. They opened for Clockwork Chameleon, and I only vaguely remember the explanation of how they made this work, so I'm going to try and explain it in the best means possible. Basically, they opened a group watch with the song that they were performing, and through an add-on called Storyteller, I believe, they were able to script out a perfectly timed performance 
in perfect sync with the group watch. So when the group watch song would, you know, sing out a lyric uh, in game, in roleplay, the band would sing that lyric in backslash say, and it was perfectly timed. Um, I would snap, but I'm afraid of clipping the mic. It was, <laughs> it was perfectly, perfectly timed, and I was quite entranced by it. And it was amazing because they had like a mosh pit and they had pyrotechnics and they had dancing and it was a really lively experience. And Kitsch and his new friend Iridacier uh, were very much confused, but uh, they did in, uh, did in fact have a great time. It was really enjoyable. And then after Rum Squall performed, we had the Clockwork Chameleon come out as the main act. And that is a persona... Uh, created by Intamin Diverol, otherwise known as Carney Calamity on Twitter, and they had a really fantastic performance. Uh, it was very immersive, and to describe their musical taste, you know, Rum Squall was very much uh, sea shanty metal music, but Clockwork Chameleon was more like alternative, funky, you know, very <laughs> metaphorical and silly, um, and I really enjoyed the the juxtaposition. Um, it was quite amazing, and they used a lot of fun in-game Warcraft toys to create all of these special effects, and overall, I mean, bravo to him. I mean, what a fantastic performance. I really want to see more of this type of roleplay, and I really hope that in a future episode I can get some of the members of Rum Squall or perhaps uh, Clockwork Chameleon to come on and talk about performance RP, because it's a fantastic genre that, you know, for someone who's been roleplaying since Legion, it was my first time encountering it, so I hope that there's, you know, more opportunities for us as a community to dive into it. That really concludes my review of JeevesCon as far as the events that they had planned, you know, after the performances, Iridacia and her partner and Kitsch kind of went off and chatted a bit and then went their separate ways, and I was left with a very positive impression of the entire event as a whole. A huge thank you to the cast company for putting on yet another fantastic event. I really just loved every second of it. Uh, so this event, of course, receives five Kitsches out of five, a maximum score for just being super supremely enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to JeevesCon 3.0, hopefully coming to us in 2022. And now that we've talked about the event of the week, let's move into some brainworm talk. More specifically, uh, my brainworms, the brainworms that have been whispering to me a new fangled idea in the roleplay community that I hope I can get on its feet by late July. Um, kind of with the advent of the Crash Cog Cup coming to its end, you know, I wanted to pick a new event, a new community activity that I could sink my teeth into that would serve as a hyperfixation of equal gravity, something that would be difficult enough to present itself as a challenge, but, you know, fascinating enough to just constantly have these great rewards with you know, how much it progresses. And that is, of course, Warcraft Space RP. The advent of this uh, idea came from the fact that I realized in Warcraft lore, space travel and planets outside of Azeroth, galaxies outside of Azeroth, they're terribly canonical. We've had these resources since the Burning Crusade with the Exodar and with Outland and, you know, just the skybox itself with all of those different planets. And then again in Legion with the Burning Legion's interdimensional travel and their spaceships and, you know, Kill Jaden's hyperspace tunnel. You know, we know that space travel is something that exists in Warcraft, but in the roleplay community, it feels like no one wants to talk about it because it veers very much into the sci-fi universe and breaks away from World of Warcraft's medieval aspects. And as much as I respect that sentiment, 
I love World of Warcraft because it is so multifaceted with genre. You can you can tell a steampunk story with Mechagon, you can tell a Witcher story with Drustvar, you can tell a straight up sword in the stone story with Stormwind. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. And uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun different genres that you can dip into, but sci-fi is one of those genres, and as much as people don't like it in the Warcraft universe, I happen to love it. <laughs> so uh, I really want to figure out a way to get ourselves out there, both, you know, physically and in roleplay, figuring out how can we go to these other planets in the great dark beyond and explore them, maybe colonize them. Uh, because as we know, Azeroth is doomed. <laughs> you know, it's it, it all leads to Azeroth being doomed, you know, whether through positive means or through some other invasive force. Azeroth isn't going to be around forever, and in character-wise, Kitch knows this, and he wants to get away. He wants to find a new place to colonize and to explore. And he knows, as I know, that there are means of space travel in the game. So what I want to do is I want to get together a kind of uh, faction-neutral summit, if you will, for cosmic travel, where both factions and people from no faction at all can come together and talk about uh, what resources do we have and what resources do we need to get off of Azeroth and to explore the cosmos. Uh, I want it to be a meeting of the best-minded engineers, the most brilliant tacticians, the most uh, fascinating scientists, uh, people who really have the brains to get this task done. And I'm excited because it's not going to be something that happens right away. We're going to have to have a whole mini-campaign where we build the spaceship and, you know, figure out how it's laid out together and name it together. And then we'll have a whole campaign where we, you know, plan our mission. Where are we going? What are we doing? And then, of course, the final act, which is getting to space, exploring, going on missions... I want to have mission tables, I want to have fully fleshed out, you know, galaxies with classical, you know, scientific names, and things that are deeply rooted in real-life science as well. I'm personally someone who really enjoys astrophysics. Um, I'm a meteorology major in college, you know, astrophysics as a career is something that I think would be too daunting for me, but I really do have a science brain, and it's really something that I enjoy learning about, so I want to create a story that is scientifically comprehensive, and that it has a lot of weight in reality, while also leaving plenty of room for the high fantasy, high sci-fi concepts of World of Warcraft. I think that, you know, telling a story with both is not a mutually exclusive experience. I think we can do it. Uh, and the big part of that is we. I think that we can tell it. Um, and if you are interested in being a part of this project, I hope that I can see you sometime in either the Live from Old War Discord uh, or just around the community and we can chat about it. The Warcraft Space RP Discord is in development right now. I'd say I'm about 50-75% done with it right now, and it should be out hopefully by fall, and it should be a really fun time. So again, if you want to chat about it, uh, I'll put my Discord information in the episode description, and shoot me a ping. Maybe we can set you up as a science officer, or the, I don't know, tactical engineer of the ship, just something that you can get involved with. And now that I've thoroughly bored you with space talk, let's get into our interview for the week, which is, of course, going to be a chat with a friend of mine, Volhelian Duskwhisper, and that's going to be about demon hunter roleplay and demon binds and the twisting nether, uh, something that I don't know a whole lot about, so I'm personally very excited to receive a formal education in a lore field that serves as kind of my blind spot. So uh, give me just a second, and I will go tether a communication with them. Incoming transmission. Optimizing audio. 
Optimization complete. Welcome. And we're back with this week's special guest, a fairly active member in the WoW roleplay community, and a very good friend of mine, which is, of course, uh, Volhelion. Uh, how's it going, Vol? Hey, pretty good. It's early, and I'm not quite awake yet, but I'm here. I know, I know. I <laughs> um, so so the, the funny thing about this segment that we're recording right now is that Vol is uh, a running member of the Azerothian Boxing Association, which we talked about in episode one, and I do the Crash Cog Cup, and we kind of had a scheduling mishap where um, on the evening of Saturday, which is when I usually record these segments, um, I put the Crash Cog Cup, and then on the other day that I record segments, Sunday evening, um, they're doing ABA, so we had to come up with a contingency. But we're up early. We're, we're doing it. Are you caffeinated? Uh, I wish I was. I actually didn't uh, take the time to make coffee because I was stressing about doing this too much. No, that's fair enough. I uh, have kind of shot myself on the foot. I don't have any caffeinated soda anymore. I just have Fresca. So we're making do with what we have, <laughs> but I'm very excited to have you on the show today um, because we're talking about a topic that um, I, I really don't know a lot about. I will be quite honest. As far as like um, World of Warcraft lore goes, I would say that Demon Hunters and, you know, Illidan and the Twisting Nether and Demons, they're kind of this, like, blind spot for me. I only know the very superficial details. How long have you been kind of playing a Demon Hunter? I just have to say, a blind spot? Haha. <laughs> That's a good, you know, because they wear blindfolds. <laughs> uh, but I've only really been playing a Demon Hunter since mid-Legion, um... I knew about them previously in lore and thought they're absolutely fascinating and fantastic, but was also like, we're never going to get them as a class. That's silly. <laughs> right. And then we did and we got them in Legion. And I, I hate to say it, but I, when they came out in Legion, it was kind of around the time that I got back into role play. And for someone who like has not been role playing for a very long time and knows a very like surface level, you know, amount of information about most lore topics at that point, I was like, I really don't want to tackle a demon hunter. Uh, I want to take something a little bit easier. So naturally, I went with something that's equally complicated, uh, a night elf. <laughs> so um, I want you to kind of dumb it down for me. Tell me what a demon hunter is, as if I was like, just kind of getting back into Warcraft lore. Well, I mean, the easiest thing to say about a demon hunter is that uh, they are a being that hunts demons, but uh, there's a little bit more to it. There's a couple of layers because technically any race could become a demon hunter because anyone can wield fell magic or shadow magic or choose demons as their nemesis enemy. But it's suggested that really only those that follow an Illidan's path become Illidari. So they're demon hunters that have gone a step further and ritually removed their eyes and taken the soul of a demon into their body with a ritual. Um, essentially binding the demon to themselves to give them special powers to better fight demons like that. That really is an interesting, like, cyclical process, isn't it? Like, take a demon in to better fight demons. That's that's interesting. and kind of like an offshoot. I know that other races can be demon hunters because I, I, I swear, like, weren't murlocs at one point like a joke race of demon hunters in like the Broken Shore campaign? Am I remembering that? Yes, you are. You're absolutely remembering that. Oh, fantastic. So, so to anyone who doesn't know about demon hunters, literally anyone, anyone can be a demon hunter. What a great opportunity. So it's interesting because uh, 
demon hunters are very, you know, diverse. There's quite a few races that, you know, you can be with them. But obviously when it comes to gameplay, you know, we're kind of limited to either on the Alliance side, Kaldorai, or to the Horde side, uh, the Blood Elves. But I think what you've done with the characters that you play is that you've really with the demons that, you know, you've binded with, with the stories that you're telling, you're creating really amazing, well-rounded individuals. And one of those, um, I would say the one that I, I feel like I see you playing most often, is uh, Volhelian Dusk Whisper, um, who is, is, are they, would you say that they are your main right now? Yeah, definitely. For sure. And Volhelian um, is kind of in the process of creating this friendship with Kitsch. You know, they're talking about fell magic. So it's interesting. I'm learning about fell magic and demon hunters at the same time that Kitsch is. Um, <laughs> but let's let's start over. Let's completely rewind. Um, tell our audience about Volhelian and just kind of their character uh, as if they've never met him before. Uh, Volhelian is, he's a Kaldurai who was raised in a highborn family. Um and for those that don't know, Highborn are the hoity-toity, all-powerful mage versions of Kaldori, essentially, from before the continents broke apart. He chooses to avoid that path and remain humble and ended up becoming a Illidari by accident, actually. He was initially a druid, a druid of the antler, but his older brother, a warrior, uh, chose to follow Illidan to Outland during the events of the Third War. Uh, so Vol was told to retrieve his brother from Outland, uh, got away from an overbearing mother, and ended up becoming uh, the rank of Slayer at some point during the events of the Broken Shore. Now, though, uh, he has a family. Uh, he has a wonderful fiancé, really healthy relationships. He's into a lot of different things. He's the public relations officer for United Aegis. Uh, he's the head of security for several events, a shoutcaster for ABA. Uh, he's a huge fan of the Crash Cog Cup. He wants to partake <laughs> next year. He's just become a familiar face, I think, at a lot of things. He runs his own business, which is uh, Fellerable Forge Works, which he runs with Fan Pan Shilu, his fiance. She's the smith, and he's the former smith turned enchanter and jewel crafter. So he's really just a busy guy these days. Yeah, and I mean, I would I would highlight, underline, italicize the fact that Volhelian is such a uh, a public figure, such a friendly face, because that uh, Volhelian is actually how I was introduced to United Aegis. I believe that Kitchen Vol kind of talked a bit at markets. I think at like the Stormwind Weekly Market, they had chatted a few times. Um, and then I think at one point, Volhelian offered to do coverage for the Crash Cog Cup. And then Kitch kind of heard about ABA and their relationship kind of bloomed in that way. So it's been really great getting to know uh, Volhelian. And something that I learned along the way, um, kind of through Kitch asking about, you know, fell assets and being able to learn more about fell technology is that Valhelion has a, a, a great access to all of these uh, Illidari assets because he is a slayer. Um, and I genuinely, I mean, aside from the little bits and pieces that you've told me, I don't really know what a slayer is. And I'm sure a lot of other people who don't play Demon Hunters uh, really aren't quite sure as well. So would you be willing to kind of expand on that? Sure. Uh, I think there's a lot of player headcanon about the Slayer title, uh, which is completely normal. I mean, we're all role players, so we have our own takes on things. Uh, canonically, it's the title granted to demon hunters or, you know, Illidari that have proven themselves in combat. It's sort of like being given the rank of, like, captain or commander and given a medal and 
patted on the back and told, you're doing a good job, son. <laughs> um, some folks enjoy the idea that there's only one at a time because it is like the hero class title mechanically in the game. But I sort of view it like literally like a military rank. Um, there's probably a few slayers, proven leaders of distinguished units, different uh, campaigns or missions, things like that. Uh, Vol was given the title of Slayer for his dedication to eradicating the Legion and the Broken Shore. He was pretty bloodthirsty back in the day, very vicious in combat and a keen tactician. So they were like, you're doing a really good job and you're killing a lot of demons. Here you go. <laughs> Promotion. I love it. Um, As far as like the Slayer goes, does Vol currently have any like uh expectations of him kind of in the wake of the legion's defeat are there things that he's expected to perform as someone who holds that title well there's no lore really about it so he can in my head uh create other demon hunters he because of his magic can uh enchant the tattoos onto a character's skin if they need to to actually bind their demon and has done so for other players in the past. The only thing really expected of him is that if the Legion were to come back, that he would step up to the plate again. Mm -hmm. That's Yeah, that's a sensible expectation, I think. Um, because, you know, it's, it's been difficult. I think a really interesting story uh, point that we've been discovering between Kitsch and Volhelion is the topic of obsolescence. Uh, and Volhelion kind of figuring out in this world that is not constantly under threat by the Burning Legion, you know, how do I build a life for myself? How do I, you know, create a world that isn't constantly at war? And I think you're telling a really beautiful story about that. And I love seeing, you know, all of the stuff with FanPan and all of Vol's relations with the United Aegis members. Um, Vol really breaks the mold of what a demon hunter has to be, quote unquote. Um, and I really enjoy that about his character. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so an interesting point that I've learned about Vol is that he is a succubus bind, uh, which I, I'm, from what you're, you're explaining to me, it, he has taken the soul of a succubus demon and uh, kind of encased it within his body with those enchanted tattoos. Um, as far as demon binds go, again, I know a very surface level information about all that stuff. So would you be willing to explain um, kind of what a demon bind is, and then why specifically you chose a succubus for Volhelion. Sure. I, if anyone knows me that is listening, they know that I love breaking stereotypes. So when I chose to make a succubus, I thought about, obviously you have the adult aspect of what succubus are portrayed to be, but also you have the emotional aspect of their powers. And I personally like really diving into the insecurity that comes with being bound to a succubus. How does this being who literally has their soul intertwined with a creature of lust and desire get through an average work week? Like thoughts like, does this person only enjoy my company because my aura forces them to, or are my friends my true friends? Is it me that wants to do this or my demon? Just thoughts like that. His emotions are heightened and he has to exert a lot of self-control to get past, you know, urges and negative thoughts and his demon just sort of preying on his own insecurity. Um, uh, when I first made him, I sort of wanted him to be an escape character. So one that I really just didn't have to worry about uh, maintaining an appearance on, like he could say whatever he wanted within, you know, within OOC reason. And he's always intended to be withdrawn and 
an introvert, and then he was given this extroverted demon soul to deal with. So it, it was just a very interesting way to play off the opposing factors of what you can do with a demon hunter. Yeah, and does uh, does this succubus have a name? She does. Uh, her name is Malva, but this is very closely guarded IC information. Uh, the way I sort of play it off is the same as with historical demons and those in other media where if you know their name, you can control them. So you could, in theory, oh. control half of Volhelion if you knew his demon's name. Oh, that is very interesting. Yeah, because... Uh... I, I think that's a really interesting headcanon. Uh, this is obviously veering away from the Warcraft universe, but I have been watching a lot of, like, retrospectives on, like, the Conjuring universe and, you know, the demons of that universe and all of their powers. Um, in, a, in a way, would you say that any of, like, the traits of, like, traditional demons in, quote-unquote, the real world, do you headcanon them to share any of those traits with World of Warcraft demons? In some ways, sure. Um, with the succubus, since it is a demon that is known for doing some terrible things from time to time, I really wanted to veer away from that. So the powers that I gave him access to are, yes, all still very manipulative, like mental suggestion, charm, emotional manipulation, that kind of thing. But I try to always twist it and ensure that he uses them for good. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, as far as Valhelion's character goes, um, maybe he's just really good at emotional manipulation, but I don't think I've ever witnessed him doing anything that is necessarily spiteful. I think he is a very kind soul, um, and I really love that juxtaposition between, you know, having this malicious soul inside of yourself, but still being able to use the I guess the the flame of their of their power and put it towards a good cause. Um, I know that you have other demon hunters as well who share that similar trait. They have demons, you know, that they obviously bind to them, varying demons other than just the succubus. Um, so, would you be willing to talk about uh, some of the other demon hunters that you have and their demon binds as well? Sure. Um, I have currently I have two other demon hunters. One is bound to a wrath guard, which is that. Big purple warlock summon uh, with the tail and the strange paw-like feet. Um, and I also have an imp-bound demon hunter. Uh, my Wrathguard is a blood elf lady. Um, her name is Tiana. And she's very petite, but her face is a bit twisted since she has the tusks like her demon does. She has a long tail and the malformed legs and feet. Um, She's sort of reserved about her monstrous appearance, but her strength is greatly increased. She uses heavy weapons, uh, but she sort of has that stoic bodyguard personality that the demon does because it's a very big demon for a very small elf. Quite a surplus of energy there. Absolutely. Uh, I also have my imp pound. Uh, he is literally just a gremlin cackling and <laughs> throwing fireballs around and just generally being really annoying super high energy and again he's um he's a big guy i i tend to apparently really like opposites but he's a he's a big guy for being imp bound so a, a spin-off question for you um do demon hunters uh get to choose the demon that they're bound to i think uh, well so if we went with canon lore, no, you're kind of just given a demon and mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want with any demon, really. Like, you don't have to specialize. The main character just sort of absorbs a demon soul from everything. I think in 
ideal circumstances, a demon hunter could choose what demon they wanted. Vol didn't get a choice, though. So no choice for Volhelion. So I would. So you would say that in Vol's case, he kind of uh, had to take what he was given and kind of make do with it. Um, I'm always interested to know, you know, because in roleplay we see a character who's either moved past something, developed past something, and they've maybe you know taken control of that. Um, when Vol was initially bound with uh, his demon. How was that relationship? Because I, I have a feeling that binding a demon within one's soul is not something that you get quite at the beginning. It kind of is like riding a bike. You have to kind of learn it as you go. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, Vol being this former druid that now has a demon accidentally, essentially, in his body, that is the complete opposite of him. Um he definitely struggled for a very long time. Vol has has really only been a demon hunter since the Third War, so depending on what timeline you go by, that's only like 15 years, or it could be like 30, 40 years, but it's not a very long time for an elf that lives a super long time, so he really only kind of got over barricading his own power three or four years ago when he met Fanpan, so in a way, like, he was sort of only half power because he couldn't see with normal vision. He can only see with the spectral sight aura vision that we see in the game and not with the perfect clarity, supposedly, that Illidan has in all of the novels. So that was something that he needed to start to work with his demon on and start to agree with her and start to really be like, okay, this is part of me now and I'm really just never getting rid of this, so I kind of need to accept it. It's interesting that you said that Volhelion had to agree uh, with their demon. Uh, would you say that demons, because, you know, obviously no one wants to be <laughs> stripped of their body and then shoved into, uh, you know, a person's soul and bound by magic tattoos. Um, would you say that, you know, most demons, uh, or at least in your opinion, that they tend to kind of become more willing to help their demon hunter? Or is that a relationship that's always kind of tumultuous? I think it, it probably depends. Uh, between my Demon Hunter OCs, some are completely in agreement about everything, and some aren't. Like, my imp bound, totally in agreement, let's cause chaos, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Volhelion, on the other hand, he does still buck up against his demon a lot because she wants to do something, and he's like, no, we really can't do that because that would be wrong, and she's like, what are laws anyway? <laughs> right, right. So, you know, because obviously uh, some demons, you know, they do have those chaotic tendencies. Um, I would be interested to know, was there ever an incident, uh, maybe not just with Volhelion, but with any of your other demon hunters that maybe uh, their demon took a little bit too much control? Maybe things got out of hand? There has a few times, actually. Um, Tiana, my Wrathguard, uh, she was actually knocked unconscious and her demon took over control of her body during that time and essentially just went hey screw all you guys i'm out and she ended up halfway across the world and had no idea where she was volhelion's demon has also not really broke out of control but heavily demanded that she be given control so that she could spar with Vol's friend Zale because she has been determined to put this little man who uses the light in his place for a long time and really wanted to try it and didn't succeed. 
So when Vol was given control of his body again, he was basically just like, ow, what happened? Might have blacked out a little bit. Might have had a accidental Azerothian boxing association <laughs> match. Out in the desert of the Blasted Lands, just going oh, at man. it. Just out there settling a little demonic grudge match. That is so... I, I find that so interesting because... Um, you know, you're not just playing one character as a demon hunter. It sounds like you're playing two. Um, and more often than not, these two... Well, I shouldn't say more often than not. It's uh, There's a considerable chance that these two personalities will kind of have different opinions. Obviously, you know, it's different with, you know, the imp. They both want to cause chaos, but... You know, the responsibility of playing a demon hunter seems quite intense. Um, so I kind of have to ask... Uh, what is it that you enjoy about playing Volhelion to that degree where you can continuously jump back into the ring, uh, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> and and kind of take another stab at that story? That is a complicated question to which I may end up rambling just because he has given me, the player, so much development over the last three years that I've had him. He really kind of helped me figure out my own gender Uh presentation because like I'm gender fluid and so I use kind of whatever pronouns folks are comfortable with or what OC of mine they most associate with me so that could be Vol, that could be Keely, my worgen girl, that could be any number of characters that I have. Uh, Vol in character has often been unsure of their gender presentation but with the benefit of his demon's magic if he wakes up one day and desires to present feminine he can as a benefit of his binding or he can be vol the the elf dude or you know what kind of whatever he wants to be and that really sort of helped me figure out that i'm non-binary i'm gender fluid i go by he she or they whatever people want he goes by he slash they so I think that's really what's drawn me into keeping him around, despite the fact he was never intended to be my main, which is, gosh, a story in itself. Right, and a story that I I would like to hear, because, you know, something that you had mentioned is that Valhelion wasn't intended to be your main character. And in the same way, I don't know if I've mentioned it, but Kitsch was in no way meant to be my main character either. He was like a campaign NPC. Um, and, you know, then one day I was like, but what if he wasn't? <laughs> And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are with a whole fleshed out story. So I would love to hear um, kind of your story of how Vol was conceptualized and just how he's grown over all of these, you know, years of playing him. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Vol was meant to be this fun one-off escape character, like I said, uh, just someone who could wander around and say whatever he wanted and do crimes and you know he was intended to be a one-off villain that was going to be either retired or killed off when i got bored with him or he did something to warrant being killed off and it just sort of ended up that at the time i made him there was a lot of other people experiencing uh demon hunter ocs and wandering around and people that he could talk to and bond with so People started asking me about his history and where he comes from, so I started answering these history questions on the fly and taking notes and building a family for him. And people really enjoyed the himbo that I was playing at the time. <laughs> um, they wanted to help him. They wanted to learn more about him because at the time he was just a washed-up soldier and, like you mentioned, an obsolete weapon. And you know he's still running for that obsolescence today, but. 
it's been interesting to see how people react to him in different ways because there are people that are like, oh, you know, he's very flirty. He's very smiley and friendly. And, you know, he's a himbo. He doesn't, uh, no thoughts behind those eyes. But really, he's a highly intelligent and keen tactician who uses this sort of himbo persona to protect himself from being used as a weapon again. Yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting just with all of the different layers. Um, and Volhelion is is really, I mean, such an iceberg in and of himself. There's so many layers to his character. Um, so I would have to ask you if you were, because, you know, I asked this question to uh, Amundal with regards to, you know, playing an undead character. So I'm going to kind of repeat it to you. Um, if there was someone else like in this call right now, who was considering playing a demon hunter, but they're kind of, you know, on the fence about it. They're not really sure where they see themselves with it. Uh, what would you say to convince them? Really, I would say demon hunters, you can go wild with it. Uh, the only real considerations you need to take to heart is how old do you want your OC to be? Do you want them to be from before the War of the Ancients? Uh, or do you want them to be a younger demon hunter like Vol? Uh, consider the power of the demon you want to bind. Because uh, your elf might explode if they took, like, a pit lord soul, for example. But, <laughs> and this is an idea that I'm putting out there for anyone to use, because I've had it for a long time and never done anything with it. Say you and your friends all made demon hunters, and you wanted to have a pit lord soul, but what if you broke that soul into parts, and, like, each demon hunter got a little piece of it, and then you'd have this oh, little yeah. family clan of, of demon hunters. It'd be really cool. Somebody use that, please. Um, but really... It, your DH can be as beautiful or as beastly as you want. There's no end to the mutations you can play with. Come up with new ones. They can develop more new looks or new powers as you play them. Really, the sky is not the limit with Demon Hunters. It's the Twisting Nether. Right. It's the Twisting Nether. I love that. <laughs> um, well, I think you've really covered that quite beautifully. I mean, uh, certainly you've convinced me to make a Demon Hunter. I mean, gosh, it's taken me long enough. I very excited. I know. I mean, I, I, I feel like Legion came about and I was like, demon hunters, what? I'm going to play my <laughs> my human male warrior. <laughs> um, and and now I'm playing a robot. So, you know, a, a, a time and changes for sure. I So I'll have to give it a shot. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting because Kitsch in a way has been talking about taking, nitpicking demon hunter traits in the pursuit of... Um, kind of getting away from obsolescence and becoming a weapon, which I think is quite a, a juxtaposition from Vol's objective. Um, Kitsch is kind of trying to, you know, nitpick those, you know, oh, maybe I take a maybe I take a little sample size of a soul and put it into my core and see what we can do with that. So that's a story uh, I'm really excited to, to uh, roleplay. I think it's going to be super fun. Oh, it's been super fun to write out little bits and pieces of that with you with my OC, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Kitsch doesn't explode. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be wouldn't be too fun. Uh, and I, I do want to I want to keep him around for a little longer, you know? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think we've covered it all pretty great today. Um, There's really not anything else that I can think of to ask you about Demon Hunters. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard because, again, I, I really only know the little bit. And then plus everything that you told me, all the wonderful stuff that you told me. Um. But for you personally, is there anything that you would like to end out with? Any, uh, you know, special thanks, last notes, anything like that? Um, yeah, actually, there's uh, another Demon Hunter role player that I'd really love to give a shout out to. And that's my friend Lane Song, who helped us found United Aegis. And she plays this really amazing Demon Hunter that 
uses slang like hella and like sup and bro and eat <laughs> and she uses all this modern slang but she just has this really laid back aura and her character has become such a good friend of Volhelion and uh, he misses her when she's gone she was gone recently and she just came back and he's in such a better mood now because, you know, his sibling is, is back. His sister is back. They're both succubus bound and they just, they get along so well. And she really was an inspiration for me to keep Volhelion going with this positive attitude instead of having him be this edgy edgelord. So just really want to thank her for that. Yeah, shout out to them. It's awesome to have, you know, someone who's partnering with you to to create a story like that. It's awesome. Uh, and for anyone listening today, um, well, you can we, we can tend to find Volhelion at the Stormwind Weekly Market on most Mondays, right? Absolutely. Yep. You'll find him there on Mondays. Uh, you'll find him at the Azerothian Boxing Association, uh, at any Crash Cog events, uh, pretty much any neutral event, too, he'll go to. He's often been to the Squeaky Wheel He's even been to the bookstore a few times that I, that you covered in another episode with Luan. Oh yeah, Luan's bookstore. I love that. Um, so yeah, plenty of places to find Volhelion and to uh, not necessarily corner them for a chat, but you know, maybe <laughs> maybe approach them and ask a few questions about you know their demon hunter in character, out of character, uh, whatever you want. I'll also. Uh, be sure to link your Twitter today in the episode description so people can throw you a follow um, and maybe, you know, consider joining United Ages. I think we're kind of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Heck yeah, I would appreciate the shout out. Oh, for sure. Well, Volhelion, thank you so much for coming on the show today and educating me on Demon Hunters. I feel so much more enlightened now. I do. I'm glad to have been of assistance. Uh, and of course, if there's ever a time where, you know, you ever feel like there's another character you want to talk about, uh, Demon Hunters again, or just the Twisting Nether, we'll be sure to have you back. Awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Transmission concluded. If you would like to keep up with Volhelian Dusk Whisper on social media, their Twitter will be linked in the episode description. Once again, an enormous thank you to Volhelion for coming on the show today and educating us on demon hunters and demon binds. I really enjoyed that interview, and I got certainly a great wealth of information from that conversation. Uh, I've linked Volhelion's Twitter in the episode description, so I would highly suggest you guys go and follow them. They are a wonderful positive force in the Warcraft Neutral Events community and the curator of the Warcraft Neutral Events Discord, so give them a follow. They're going to be putting out some great content in the months to come, and you won't want to miss out on it. Closing out our episode, of course, we're going to have our roleplay spot of the week. I know that I had to skip it last week because episode four was already well over the hour and ten minutes mark that I like to be at, and I didn't want to keep people hostage for too much longer. So we are going to have the roleplay spot for the week. However, I'm not going to be giving you guys the uh, month at a glance for events because this episode will be going live on Tuesday the 29th, and at that point, you know, there's really nothing left of June, and I'd rather give you guys the events for that month at a glance when we're already well into July. So expect that next week, but for this week, the roleplay spot comes to you from Pandaria. 
without showing you guys, you know, images of this location, uh, it's kind of difficult to explain, but it really is just a fully developed, fully fleshed out, and fully detailed farm with a really small amount of friendly Pandaren NPCs. Uh, it's got an empty farmhouse, empty farm shed, stables, chicken coops, and warehouses, and of course fields and fields of thriving crop. It's a gorgeous backdrop, and you know, it's, it's quite a nice place to have just a, a peaceful, homely type of roleplay. If you're looking for a place just to use as a home for maybe you and your roleplay significant other, or just yourself, uh, it's got a really great farmhouse. The bottom floor has a kitchen filled to the brim with high-poly, high-definition uh, Pandaren food assets. Uh, it's really quite a convincing kitchen if there ever were one. And then upstairs is a really cute humble bedroom with, of course, a bed and, you know, a bonsai tree and a, a window that overlooks the the brewery to the south of the valley. And it's, it's just a really nice place to have a house. Uh, but if you are actually looking to use it for the farm RP, of course, all of those locations aforementioned are there. But my personal favorite part about this roleplay location is the singing fields, or the singing marshes, it's one of those two, and that is just behind the farmhouse, and it's just just this beautiful uh, stretch of, of mist and little rocks and cranes that are running around and playing and singing, and there's a cave there too, and there's, you know, just a lot of great detailed assets, and I think that if you wanted to use that location for like monk meditation or pilgrimage, I think it would be absolutely perfect. So hopefully you can get some use out of that as well. Uh, as far as it goes, that really is the entirety of the location. It doesn't have any, you know, tricky gimmicks like getting into the X2 pincer. Um, and again, those coordinates are 3153 in the Valley of the Four Winds. If you don't know how to use the coordinate system, uh, you have to download map cords, the add-on from curseforge.com, and you'll be able to find those coordinates. Again, 3153 in the Valley of the Four Winds. That really closes out everything that I had for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed. I think we kept within a pretty reasonable time limit today. We're probably right at the hour mark, if not just a hair under or over. So I, I feel pretty good about that. We got a great amount of content out and a nice time limit. Uh, of course, next week, we're going to be bringing on a new guest, talking about a new topic, uh, new things. It's always new. That's what I love about this show. No episode is too similar to the next one, and I'm really enjoying it, as I said before. If you guys want to support me, I always love talking with you guys in the Discord, and that's always just a great way to, you know, weigh in on the episode if you have a topic that you want talk about or if you yourself would like to come on the show, it really is just as easy as joining that Discord and giving me a chat. This, of course, has been your mechanized host, Kitch Goldwatt. Thank you so much for joining me on this variety of an episode. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday, and have a great rest of your week. 